Section 22 of The Rivals of Sherlock Holmes, Volume 1. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Andrzej Zalewski. The Rivals of Sherlock Holmes, Volume 1. The Tilling Show Mystery by Ernest Brahma, Part 1. I will see Miss George now, assented Carrados. Parkinson retired and the great Torex looked round from his chair. The morning clearing up was still in progress. Shall I go? he inquired. Not unless the lady desires it. I don't know her at all. The secretary was not unobservant and he had profited from his association with Mr. Carrados. Without more ado, he began to get his papers quietly together. The door opened, and a girl of about twenty came eagerly, yet half timorously, into the room. Her eyes, for a moment, swept Carrados with an anxious scrutiny. Then, with a slight shade of disappointment, she noticed that they were not alone. "'I have come directly from Oakshire to see you, Mr. Carrados.' she announced in a quick, nervous voice that was evidently the outcome of a desperate resolution to be brave and explicit. The matter is a dreadful important one to me, and I should very much prefer to tell it to you alone. There was no need for Carrados to turn towards his secretary. That discriminating young gentleman was already on his way. Miss George flashed him a shy look of thanks, and fill in the moment with a timid survey of the room. Is it something that you think I can help you with? I had hoped so. I had heard, in a roundabout way, of your wonderful power. Ought I tell you how? Does it matter? Not in the least, if it has nothing to do with the case, replied Carrados. When this dreadful thing happened, I instinctively thought of you. I felt sure that I ought to come and get you to help me at once, but I... I have very little money, Mr. Carrados, only a few pounds, and I am not so childish as not to know that very clever men require large fees. Then, when I got here, my heart sank, for I saw at once from your house and position that what seemed little even to me would be ridiculous to you that if you did help me it would be purely out of kindness of heart and generosity suppose you tell me what the circumstances are suggested carrados cautiously then to afford an opening he added you have recently gone into mourning i see see exclaimed the girl almost sharply then you are not blind oh yes he replied only I use the familiar expression, partly from custom, partly because it sounds unnecessarily pedantic to say, I deduce from certain observations. I beg your pardon. I suppose I was startled not so much by the expression as by your knowledge. I ought to have been prepared. But I am already wasting your time, and I came so determined to be businesslike. I got a copy of the local paper on the way, because I thought that the account in it would be clearer to you than I could tell it. Shall I read it? Please, if that was your intention. 
it is in the stinbridge herald explained the girl taking a closely folded newspaper from the handbag which she carried stinbridge is our nearest town about six miles from tillingshaw where we live this is the account mysterious tragedy at tilling well-known agriculturalist attempts murder and commits suicide the districts of great tilling tillingshaw and the immediate neighbourhood were thrown into a state of unusual excitement on thursday last by the report of a tragedy in their midst such as has rarely marked the annals of our law-abiding countryside a herald representative was early on the scene and his inquiries elucidated the fact that it was only too true that in this case rumour had not exaggerated the circumstances rather the reverse indeed on the afternoon of the day in question mr frank whitmarsh of high barn presented himself at barony the residence of his uncle mr william whitmarsh with the intention of seeing him in reference to a dispute that was pending between them this is understood to be connected with an alleged trespass in pursuit of game its relative claiming exclusive sporting rights over a piece of water known as hanston mere on this occasion the elder gentleman was not at home and mr frank whitmarsh after waiting for some time departed leaving a message to the effect that he would return and according to one report have it out with uncle william later in the evening this resolution he unfortunately kept returning about eight forty five p m he found his uncle in and for some time the two men remained together in the dining-room what actually passed between them has not yet transpired but it is said that for half an hour there had been nothing to indicate to the other occupants of the house that anything unusual was in progress when suddenly two shots rang out in rapid succession mrs lawrence the housekeeper at barony and a servant were the soonest on the spot and conquering the natural terror that for a moment held them outside the now silent room they summoned up courage to throw open the door and to enter the first thing that met their eyes was the body of mr frank whitmarsh lying on the floor almost at their feet in their distressed state it was immediately assumed by the horrified women that he was dead or at least seriously wounded but a closer examination revealed the fact that the gentleman had experienced an almost miraculous escape at the time of the tragedy he was wearing a large old-fashioned silver watch and in this the bullet intended for his heart was found literally embedded deep in the works the second shot had however effected its purpose for at the other side of the room still seated at the table was mr william whitmarsh already quite dead with a terrible wound in his head and a weapon a large bore revolver of obsolete pattern lying at his feet mr frank whitmarsh subsequently explained that the shock of the attack and the dreadful appearance presented by his uncle when immediately afterwards he turned his hand against himself must have caused him to faint readers of the herald will join in our expression of sympathy for all members of the whitmarsh family 
and in our congratulations to mr frank whitmarsh on his providential escape the inquest is fixed for monday and it is anticipated that the funeral will take place on the following day that is all concluded miss george all that is in the paper amended carrados it is the same everywhere attempted murder and suicide that is what everyone accepts as a matter of course went on the girl quickly how do they know that my father tried to kill frank or that he killed himself how can they know mr carrados your father miss george yes my name is madeline whitmarsh at home everyone looks at me as if i was an object of mingled pity and reproach i thought that they might know the name here so i gave the first that came into my mind i think it is a street i was directed along besides i don't want it to be known that i came to see you in any case why much of the girl's conscious nervousness had stiffened into an attitude of unconscious hardness grief takes many forms and whatever she had been before the tragic episode had left miss whitmarsh a little hurt and cynical you are a man living in a town and can do as you like i am a girl living in the country and have therefore to do largely as my neighbours like for me to set up my opinion against popular feeling would constitute no small offence to question its justice would be held to be adding outrageous insult to enormous injury so far i am unable to go beyond the newspaper account on the face of it your father with what provocation of course i do not know did attempt this mr frank whitmarsh's life and then take his own you imply another version what reason have you that is the terrible part of it exclaimed the girl with rising distress it was that which made me so afraid of coming to you although i felt that i must for i dreaded that when you asked me for proofs and i could give you none you would refuse to help me we were not even in time to hear him speak and yet i know know with absolute conviction that my father would not have done this there are things that you cannot explain mr carrados and well there is an end of it her voice sank to an absent-minded whisper everyone will condemn him now that he cannot defend himself and yet he could not even have had that revolver that was found at his feet what is that demanded carrados sharply do you mean that mean what she asked with the blankness of one who has lost the thread of her own thoughts what you said about the revolver that your father could not have had it the revolver she repeated half wearily oh yes it was a heavy old-fashioned affair it had been lying in a drawer of his desk for more than ten years because once a dog came into the orchard in broad daylight and worried half a dozen lambs before anyone could do anything yes but why could he not have it on thursday i noticed that it was gone after frank had left in the afternoon i went into the room where he had been waiting to finish dusting the paper says the dining-room but it was really papa's business-room and no one else used it then when i was dusting the desk i saw that the revolver was no longer there 
you had occasion to open the drawer it is really a very old bureau and none of the drawers fit closely dust lies on the ledges and you always have to open them a little to dust properly they were never kept locked possibly your father had taken the revolver with him no i had seen it there after he had gone he rode to stinbridge immediately after lunch and did not return until nearly eight after he left i went to dust his room it was then that i saw it i was doing the desk when frank knocked and interrupted me that is how i came to be there twice but you said that you had no proof miss whitmarsh carrados reminded her with deep seriousness do you not recognize the importance the deadly importance that this one shred of evidence may assume does it she replied simply i am afraid that i am rather dull just now all yesterday i was absolutely dazed i could not do the most ordinary things i found myself looking at the clock for minutes together yet absolutely incapable of grasping what time it was in the same way i know that it struck me as being funny about the revolver but i always had to give it up it was as though everything was there but things would not fit in you are sure absolutely sure that you saw the revolver there after your father had left and missed it before he returned oh yes said the girl quickly i remember realizing how curious it was at the time besides there is something else i so often had things to ask papa about when he was out of the house that i got into the way of making little notes to remind me later this morning i found on my dressing table one that i had written on thursday afternoon about this weapon yes to ask him what could have become of it carrados made a further inquiry and this was madeline whitmarsh's account of affairs existing between the two branches of the family until the time of william whitmarsh father of the william whitmarsh just deceased the properties of barony and high barn had formed one estate descending from a william senior to a william junior down a moderately long line of yeomen whitmarshes through the influence of his second wife this william senior divided the property leaving barony with its four hundred acres of good land to william junior and high barn with which went three hundred acres of poor land to his other son father of the frank implicated in the recent tragedy but though divided the two farms still had one common link beneath the growing corn and varied pasturage lay it was generally admitted a seam of coal at a depth and of a thickness that would render its working a paying venture even in william the divider's time when the idea was new money in plenty would have been forthcoming but he would have none of it and when he died his will contained a provision restraining either son from mining or exploiting his land for mineral without the consent and cooperation of the other this restriction became a legacy of hate the brothers were only half-brothers and william having suffered unforgettably at the hands of his stepmother had all scores to pay off quite comfortably prosperous on his own rich farm 
and quite satisfied with the excellent shooting and the congenial life he had not the slightest desire to increase his wealth he had the old dour peasant-like instinct to cling to the house and the land of his forefathers from this position no argument moved him in the meanwhile on the other side of the new boundary fence frank senior was growing poorer year by year to his periodical entreaties that william would agree to shafts being sunk on high barn he received an emphatic never in my time the poor man argued besought threatened and swore the prosperous one shook his head and grinned carrados did not need to hear the local saying half-brothers whole haters like the whitmarshes to read the situation of course i do not really understand the business part of it said madeline and many people blamed poor papa especially when uncle frank drank himself to death but i know that it was not mere obstinacy he loved the undisturbed peaceful land just as it was and his father had wished it to remain the same collieries would bring swarms of strange men into the neighbourhood poachers and trespassers he said the smoke and dust would ruin the land for miles round and drive away the game and in the end if the work did not turn out profitable we should all be much worse off than before does the restriction lapse now will mr frank jr be able to mine it will now lie with frank and my brother william just as it did before with their fathers i should expect willie to be quite favourable he is more modern you have not spoken of your brother i have too bob the younger is in mexico she explained and willie in canada with an engineering firm they did not get on very well with papa and they went away it did not require preternatural observation to deduce that the late william whitmarsh had been a little difficult when uncle frank died less than six months ago frank came back to high barn from south africa he had been away about two years possibly he did not get on well with his father madeline smiled sadly i am afraid that no two whitmarsh men ever did get on well together she admitted your father and young frank for instance their lands adjoin there were always quarrels and disputes she replied then frank had his father's grievance over again he wished to mine yes he told me that he had had experience of coal in natal there was no absolute ostracism between you then you were to some extent friends scarcely she appeared to reflect acquaintances we met occasionally of course at people's houses you did not visit high barn oh no but there was no particular reason why you should not why do you ask me that she demanded quickly and in a tone that was quite incompatible with the simple inquiry then recognizing the fact she added with shamefaced penitence i beg your pardon mr carrados i am afraid that my nerves have gone to pieces since thursday the most ordinary things affect me inexplicably this is a common experience in such circumstances said carrados reassuringly where were you at the time of the tragedy i was in my bedroom which is rather high up changing 
i had driven down to the village to give an order and had just returned mrs lawrence told me that she had been afraid there might be quarrelling but no one would ever have dreamed of this and then came a loud shot and then after a few seconds another not so loud and we rushed to the door she and mary first and everything was absolutely still a loud shot and then another not so loud yes i noticed that even at that time i happened to speak to mrs lawrence of it afterwards and then she also remembered that it had been like that afterwards carrados often recalled with grim pleasantry that the two absolutely vital points in the fabric of circumstantial evidence that was to exonerate her father and fasten the guilt upon another had dropped from the girl's lips utterly by chance but at the moment the facts themselves monopolized his attention you are not disappointed that i can tell you so little she asked timidly scarcely he replied a suicide who could not have had the weapon he dies by a victim who is miraculously preserved by an opportune watch and two shots from the same pistol that differ materially in volume all taken together do not admit of disappointment i am very stupid she said i do not seem able to follow things but you will come and clear my father's name i will come he replied beyond that who shall prophesy it had been arranged between them that the girl should return at once while carrados would travel down to great tilling late that same afternoon and put up at the local fishing inn in the evening he would call at barony where madeline would accept him as a distant connection of the family the arrangement was only for the benefit of the domestics and any casual visitor who might be present for there was no possibility of a near relation being in attendance nor was there any appreciable danger of either his name or person being recognized in those parts a consideration that seemed to have some weight with the girl for more than once she entreated him not to disclose to anyone his real business there until he had arrived at a definite conclusion it was nine o'clock but still just light enough to distinguish the prominent features of the landscape when carrados accompanied by parkinson reached the barony the house as described by the manservant was a substantial grey stone building very plain very square very exposed to the four winds it had not even a porch to break the flat surface and here and there in the line of its three solid stories a window had been built up by some frugal tax-evading whitmarsh of a hundred years ago sombre enough commented carrados but the connection between environment and crime is not yet capable of analysis we get murders in brand-new suburban villas and the virtues light-heartedness and good fellowship in moated granges what should you say about it eh parkinson i should say it was damp sir observed parkinson with his wisest air madeline whitmarsh herself opened the door she took them down the long flagged hall to the dining-room a cheerful enough apartment whatever its exterior might forebode i am glad you have come now mr carrados she said hurriedly 
when the door was closed. Sergeant Brewster is here from Stinbridge Police Station to make some arrangements for the inquest. It is to be held at the schools here on Monday. He says that he must take the revolver with him to produce. Do you want to see it before he goes? I should like to, replied Carrados. Will you come into Papa's room then? He is there. The sergeant was at the table, making notes in his pocket-book, when they entered. An old-fashioned revolver lay before him. This gentleman has come a long way on hearing about poor Papa, said the girl. He would like to see the revolver before you take it, Mr. Brewster. Good evening, sir, said Brewster. It's a bad business that brings us here. Carrados looked round the room and returned the policeman's greeting. Madeline hesitated for a moment, and then, picking up the weapon, put it into the blind man's hand. A bit out of date, sir, remarked Brewster with a nod. But in good order yet, I find. An early French make, I should say. One of Lefaucheau's, probably, said Carrados. You have removed the cartridges. Why, yes, admitted the sergeant, producing a matchbox from his pocket. There are pin-fire, you see, and I am not too fond of carrying a thing like that loaded in my pocket, as I am riding a young horse. Quite so, agreed Carrados, fingering the cartridges. I wonder if you happen to mark the order of this in the chambers. That was scarcely necessary, sir. Two together had been fired, the other four had not. I once knew a case, possibly I read of it, where a pack of cards lay on the floor. It was a murder case, and the guilt or innocence of an accused man depended on the relative positions of the fifty-first and fifty-second cards. I think you must have read of that, sir, replied Brewster, endeavouring to implicate first Miss Whitmarsh and then Parkinson in his meaning smile. However, this is straightforward enough. Then, of course, you have not thought it worth while to look for anything else? I have noted all the facts that have any bearing on the case. Were you referring to any particular point, sir? I was only wondering, suggested Carrados, with apologetic mildness, whether you or anyone had happened to find a ward lying about anywhere. The sergeant stroked his well-kept moustache to hide the smile that insisted, however, on escaping through his eyes. Scarcely, sir, he replied with fine irony. Bulleted revolver cartridges contain no wad. You are thinking of a shotgun, sir. Oh, said Carrados, bending over the spent cartridge he was examining. That settles it, of course. I think so, sir, assented the sergeant, cautiously but with a quiet enjoyment of the situation. Well, miss, I'll be getting back now. I think I have everything I want. You will excuse me a few minutes, said Miss Whitmarsh, and the two callers were left alone. Parkinson, said Carrados softly as the door closed. Look round on the floor. There is no wood lying within sight? No, sir. Then take the lamp and look behind things. But if you find one, don't disturb it. For a minute, strange and gigantic shadows chased one another across the ceiling as Parkinson moved the table lamp to and fro behind the furniture. 
the man to whom blazing sunlight and the deepest shade were as one sat with the eyes fixed tranquilly on the unseen wall before him there is a little pellet of paper here behind the couch sir announced parkinson then put the lamp back together they drew the cumbrous old piece of furniture from the wall and carrados went behind on hands and knees with his face almost to the floor he appeared to be studying even the dust that lay there then with a light unerring touch he carefully picked up the thing that parkinson had found very gently he unrolled it using his long delicate fingers so skilfully that even at the end the particles of dust still clung here and there to the surface of the paper what do you make of it parkinson parkinson submitted it to the judgment of a single sense a cigarette paper to all appearances sir i can't say it's a kind that i've had experience of it doesn't seem to have any distinct watermark but there is a half inch of glossy paper along one edge amber tipped yes another edge is a little uneven it appears to have been cut this edge opposite the mouthpiece yes yes patches are blackened and little holes like pinpricks burnt through the places it is scorched brown anything else i hope there is nothing i have failed to observe sir said parkinson after a pause carrados's reply was a strangely irrelevant question what is the ceiling made of he demanded oak board sir with a heavy cross beam are there any plaster figures about the room no sir or anything at all that is whitewashed nothing sir carrados raised the scrap of tissue paper to his nose again and for the second time he touched it with his tongue very interesting parkinson he remarked and parkinson's responsive yes sir was a model of discreet acquiescence end of the tilling show mystery by ernest brama part one recording by andrzej zalewski